Good morning, Calvary. Uh, today we are going to finish our uh, Advent series. It's a little bit drawn out now, uh, but it was entitled The Thrill of Hope. And I don't know about you, but for the last uh, number of weeks in the series, I've been thinking about hope and what hope is. And I'm a definitions guy, and so I looked it up. Uh, what our world says is hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. I started pondering that over the last few weeks and the reality that all people live on the basis of hope. All of us live on hope. Some of us were hoping to get here last week, like me. I told the trustees that I would make it. There was no way I was going to make it when I got up on Sunday morning. I was so glad they canceled because I don't think I would have got out of my driveway and I have four-wheel drive. I drive a pickup and I would have got stuck. In fact, I did get stuck on Monday morning. Some people hope that they'll be well. Some people hope um, that their kids will grow up. Uh, the difference for us is that we have faith. And Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is being certain of what we hope for and confident in what we do not see. We as believers have faith that leads to hope in Jesus Christ. And we have talked over the last few weeks that Jesus is coming at uh, Christmas, that we celebrate at Christmas, is the hope of our past. That Jesus came into the world to redeem us from our past. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've walked through, no matter what sin haunts us, uh, what we've done or failed to do, Jesus is the hope of our past. He came to resolve it. He came to uh, solve our sin problem. He is the hope that we don't have to live in the shame of our past. Then we moved on, that Jesus is the hope of our present. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. See, Jesus is the hope of our today. Whatever we're walking through, he has provided all that we need to get through it. This Calvary is where we hope that you would be people of the word because we believe that this book is what gives us what we need for, for life and godliness. We believe that this tells us the story of God. And so I pray that, that we would trust that Jesus is the hope of our present, that we would trust in his word and that we would let it shape us day to day. Then two weeks ago, Ben talked about him, about Jesus, and that when he came, he was the hope of our future. When we were talking about that, he talked about it, him being our hope, the hope of our earthly future. Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. We're not done yet. And for those of you who come from a perfectionist past, I'm sure that you're thankful, like I am thankful, that I am a work in progress, that we in Christ are a work in progress, that he came to resolve our past. He came to give us life for our present. He came to give us a future here to change us, to mold us, to shape us, to allow us to live an earthly life that honors him and glorifies him. 
And He will be with us, Emmanuel, through the Holy Spirit. He's going to give us the power to live our future earthly days. But today we're going to move on from earth and we're going to talk about eternity. And eternity is something that's impossible to wrap your mind around. I read an illustration from Dr. Tony Evans this week. If you were to empty the Pacific Ocean, the deepest, largest ocean we had, and fill it with grains of sand higher than the highest mountain on earth, higher than Mount Everest is what he used. I don't know if that's still the highest mountain, but uh, if you were to fill it with a grain of sand. But then if you were to, to have a bird come by and pluck out one grain of sand every billion years, it would be like the first second of our eternity when it was finished and empty. I can't fathom that. I can't wrap my mind around that but it gave me a little bit more of an understanding of the depth. We aren't going to explain eternity today. I can't do it. I'm sure that many men who have many more degrees and lifetimes of studying of the Scriptures cannot explain eternity. But what I'm going to try to do this morning is help us to see the promise Help us to see Jesus' promise of eternity so that we can lean on it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believed in Him should not perish but have eternal life. The most famous verse in all of Scripture, right? It's at every football game. It's at every sporting event. We all love it. Um, it gets mocked it's changed people use it um, in a lot of ways but God sent Jesus so that we could have eternal life and that life begins when we trust him that when we believe in him our eternal life begins it begins at our conversion it is both a present possession God being with us through the Holy Spirit and a future hope. Titus 1-2 says, In hope of eternal life, God, who never lies, promised uh, before the ages began. Jesus promised eternal life for us. He promised us uh, that he would go and prepare a place for us. Our main text this morning it's going to be John chapter 14, verses 2 through 6. Set this up for you to, so that you understand this happens in what's called the upper, upper room discourse. It happens after the Last Supper, after Judas is excused to go and betray Jesus. Uh, this is a conversation, is part of the conversation that Jesus is having with his remaining disciples. Verse 2, my father's house has many rooms. Jesus is telling his disciples about heaven. His father's house is heaven. Other translations will translate that there's, in my father's house there are many mansions. Um, 
But the idea is the same. It's not just a place, it's, it's God's heaven. The idea is not merely a, merely a shelter, it's a home. It's a place of security and love, hope, peace, and rest. Jesus meant to convey in this, not that there was this luxurious thing awaiting for us, but that there was plenty of room for all people who would believe in him. And he goes on, if it were not so, I would have told you that I go, uh, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you will be also. Jesus lets his disciples know that he's going to prepare that place. But not only is he going to prepare, but he's going to come back to bring them there. We can rest in that. We can hope in that. That if we've trusted in Jesus, if we believe in Jesus Christ, that he has prepared a place, he has prepared a place for us, and that he's going to come again to bring it, bring us to him. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said, to, uh, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Thomas expresses to Jesus some of the confusion that's still there. See, the disciples were under the teaching and the understanding that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to be a king. And that is true. We know that Jesus is going to be the king. He's going to sit on the throne of David. He's going to sit on the eternal throne. But they still had a little bit of confusion on what that was going to look like, how they were going to, uh, how that was going to flesh out. And so Thomas expresses that. And he says, Jesus we don't know where you're going. We don't really understand. He's, it's a call for clarity. It's a call for Jesus to answer, to, to make it more specific. And Jesus, in his way, goes right at the heart of it and says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me not a very culturally accepted statement anymore, is it? We like to take that idea. We like to take all these Christian ideas and all these Muslim ideas that we think are good and all these things and mix them together and try to come to some kind of truth. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, I am the way. There's no other way. No one comes to the Father except through me. We want to think that, the, that we can take our good, and if it outweighs our bad, we're going to get there. But that's not what Scripture teaches us. And I'm thankful, and we all should be thankful that that's not what Scripture teaches us. Because my scales wouldn't weigh out. I don't know about you, uh, but my scales would not weigh out in my favor. But because Jesus came, 
And we can trust in Him. And we can trust that He is the way. And He is the truth. And He is the life. John 10.10 I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that we could live eternally, yes. Abundantly here, yes. And it's not about accumulating lavish things. It's about uh, His abundance and knowing Him. There's no other way that we can experience eternal life than through trusting Jesus as our Savior. And all the riches in the world aren't going to fill us. They aren't going to fill you and I. And all the promises in Scripture, um, as we look into Revelation 19, 20, 21, 22, of glory and majesty and streets of gold, they fail to compare with what we really need. See, there's a longing in our hearts be with our Creator, to be with God. We were created for that. In Genesis 1 and 1 through 3, we see God creating the earth, and we see Him creating uh, perfection, and then we see Him create a garden. And that garden was created so that we could walk and live and be with Him. In chapter 3, it talks about uh, after the after they sin and after they eat from the tree talks about them hearing God in the garden, rustling through the trees. He was physically there with them. You see, the great hope of eternal life is that God's going to restore that ability of us to be with Him. And we will be with Him forever. We'll have unbroken community with our Heavenly Father and with His Son. Revelation 21, 3 through 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. That's eternal life. That's our great hope. Brothers and sisters, spent a lot of, I got an extra week to think about this. So I'm off notes. But just the idea that if you're sitting here this morning and the idea of being with God forever and ever and ever doesn't thrill you, if you're clinging to a hope that's based on the gold streets of heaven and not to the presence of being with your creator, 
you're not going to love eternal life. And so, I pray that you would think about that this week. I've been thinking about it. Do I want, do I really love Jesus? Do, can I really fathom being with him all the time? And when we're here living this life, we're not going to be able to live that perfectly. So don't hear me and, and say, I think that way all the time. Every minute of every day, I want to be with Jesus. No, I'm a sinful man still. I'm in the process of being sanctified, um, and I am not a completed work, as we talked about. He's the hope of my future. But in the deepest part of my heart, I long to have that communion with God. I long to, to know Him as my Savior, to be able to see Him face to face. Revelation 22, 3-5. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will need no lamp of or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. It's a beautiful picture that we will see God but even more, that he will be the light. There will be no need for a sun because we'll be able to see because of his perfect goodness which casts out all darkness. Calvary, we have great hope because we have a God who sent his son to come to earth to live this life to give us hope for the past, for our past, our present, our future but to give us eternal life, to make a way for us to know him, to make a way to restore creation, to restore it to where uh, he intended it to be so that we could walk with him, so that he would dwell with us and we would see his face. We have that hope because he came. He lived a life. He was crucified and betrayed. But then he was raised again. We have hope of eternal life because of the resurrection. We have hope of eternal life because God set this in motion before the ages began. Calvary, I pray that, that you would rest in this hope. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are the resolution of our past. You are our strength for today. You are going to fulfill our future. Give us abundant life here but also that you are going to be our eternal hope. And we get to be with you. We get to see, not dimly, but as one looking into a mirror. We get to see you face to face. Jesus, I pray that you would make 2020 
about that for us. That we would have the faith to be certain of what we've hoped for. To be certain in Jesus Christ. Amen.